Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast, your guide to the biggest media stories of the week. I'm Matt Deegan. On the show today, the BBC announces a big investment in fact-checking, but can BBC Verify stand up to the internet? It's Rachel Week and it's boom time for commercial radio. We disclose whose numbers are up and down at the UK's biggest networks. Also on the programme, where did all the unscripted television go? Who lost out at the BAFTAs and Vice hits rock bottom? All that plus a game of radio charades, he sighs, on the media quiz. Uh, What could go wrong? That's all coming up in this edition of the Media Podcast. In the news this week, Montana becomes the first state in America to ban TikTok. The law will come into effect at the strike of midnight on January the 1st, 2024. So bad luck for Montana's New Year's Eve parties. Uh, More allegations have been put to the Mirror's defence team in the phone hacking trial brought by Prince Harry and others. Uh, One such story is that a leading Mirror journalist allegedly blackmailed the company as it attempted to cover up phone hacking, something the paper denies. Uh, The trial continues. Meanwhile, the This Morning studio has been a hotbed of scintillating nothingness as viewers stayed glued to see any hint of a meltdown that is reportedly happening behind the scenes. Uh, The Daily Mail brought in a body language expert who said Ms Willoughby held up a tablet at one point as part of a barrier ritual. Uh, No such awkwardness here, of course, where we're live from the London Podcast Studios. Uh, I've got two media experts here with me to cover some more stories shaking up the industry. Uh, Joining me today, returning to the podcast for the first time since the Edinburgh TV Festival uh, last year, is Ian Rumsey, Director of ITM Productions. Hi, Ian. Good to see you. Uh, It's lovely to see you too. Um, uh, The news cycle doesn't seem to be getting any, any slower, does it? Keeps on speeding up, keeps on speeding up. And uh, it's, you know, it's a relentless cycle. Uh, And a busy week for you guys. Yeah, uh, it's been a very busy week in in news. There is a lot going on from uh, Harry and Meghan and uh, the car chase to um, Ukraine and Zelensky and the Prime Minister's visit to Japan. It's, you know, it's, it's constantly shifting. And most importantly, an awards win. Yeah, Channel 4 News, a BAFTA win for um, their programme uh, from the Ukraine, which all of ITN are really proud about. It was a it was a fantastic show and an amazing win. And um, the Channel 4 News team thoroughly deserved and a great speech by Matt Fry, mm. I would say, as well. He really he really did a great speech. Um, so yeah, so, you know, fantastic. A well-deserved BAFTA. Some would say not all of the BAFTAs <laughs> went to the right people, but that one absolutely did. So we might talk about that a bit later. Uh, also with us, uh, he's a commercial strategy manager at the BBC, but his views are his own. It's Adam Bowie. Hi, Matt. 
um, it's a busy week in your in in your world, but also your kind of. Uh, like me, you have stumbled into sort of uh, Rajar expert hole, which you yeah, keep having to... Yeah, my little weird side hustle of uh, Rajar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think we'll talk about it later. But um, yeah, it's, it's, there's been a lot of numbers coming out recently with some Midas data and the Ofcom doing some podcast research not too long ago. So those, aside from my day-to-day job, have been <laughs> keeping me busy. Uh, so if we think about Rajar, before we get into the details, in the day-to-day style, uh, uh, if you could sum up Rajar in one word, what would it be? Uh, great for commercial radio. Okay, that, that's more than one word, but I'll, I'll let you off. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. So the BBC have unveiled a new project on Wednesday, uh, BBC Verify, uh, which promises radical transparency. Um, Adam, have you looked at this? How, how's it, how's it going to work? Yeah, I think it's it's been Deborah Turnis's big new venture, I think, and it's, um, it's pulling together a, a bunch of things that probably have existed a bit in places, but sort of bring them together, giving them a name, I think giving them something that the audience can look for. So, you know, for example, you know, the Ros Atkins uh, videos, which are explainer videos which have been going on, which isn't quite the same thing, but that, that stretches into it. And I think it's just sort of, it's pulling together some of that data and analysis, some of that disinformation side of things, which I think is a real issue, not just in the UK, but globally. Um, And just and the verification you know there's a lot of video out there there's a lot of social media stuff and and it's it's really clever some of the things you can do you know i i, I sat in actually on a uh, a talk from some of my colleagues you know showing what you can do with satellite data now because satellite imagery i think it used to be pretty expensive it's still i'm doing it's cheap but um you can order it quite quickly and so if you want to see what's going on you know on the front lines of battles or whatever getting really really up to date and doing some smart stuff with some of that it's um, really quite impressive. Uh, I mean Ian this appears to be quite an investment by the BBC um, do you think it'll have an, an impact on their reporting? Yeah I mean I, I know Deborah very well I worked with her for, a, for many years and this has always been at the heart of everything that she kind of stands for, trust and transparency. And I think that there's never been a more important time to really, really double down on eradicating misinformation, disinformation, two different things. Um, And, you know, I think in Deborah's mind, this is about pulling back the curtain a little bit. If you really want to trust us, then you need to understand everything that we do and everything that goes into journalism. Fact-checking has been around a long time, and Channel 4 News, which we talked about Mm. a few moments ago, you know, have been at the forefront of of fact-check. You know, it's so important for PSBs. I think um, Lucy Fraser was talking um, today about the importance of trusting public service content so I think it's enormously important good journalism comes at a cost but the value of it has never been more vital right now with AI with everything that's going on you know knowing that you can go somewhere knowing how how something was um uh, was gathered how the information was gathered um and that you can absolutely trust in its uh, veracity is really really important I mean, Adam, there's a bit of a sort of trust deficit from uh, some members of the public in traditional media. I mean, if you look on uh, the comments of Twitter and even more now with the the new blue ticks on Twitter, particularly not particularly fans of of mainstream media and actually watching Elon Musk this week be interviewed, he himself doesn't seem uh, to trust uh, a lot. Um, Is it important for broadcasters to maybe even go beyond what they they would expect they need to do to, to show their working? 
I think I think it they really do. I think you know undoubtedly trust has gone down. I think you look at something like the Reuters Digital News Report. It does show it over time. It's shown it sort of ebbing away. Unfortunately, that's probably the sort of you know the fractionalisation of society to a large part and the way the world has progressed. And so you probably do need to almost like overcorrect a bit to to really try and win back that belief because you know people sometimes maybe they do believe something they read online it it is kind of curious that some complete stranger that you read some comment of online somehow that gels with you more than your own eyes and ears with something you know you've been brought up with quite probably in many cases there's also the confusion between taking opinion as fact we live in a world of opinionated journalism, opinionated TV and radio hosts, and it's very easy, I think, for people to take one person's view as their truth, if you like, and and that to become the story. Um, and separating opinion from well-sourced factual journalism is really important. I mean, they've brought together 60 journalists as part of BBC Verify, which is which is significant. It is like 60 journalists versus the internet. I mean, it, is it enough? Is it enough to, to be able to, to, to do the right checking or or to, to show up this mis- and disinformation? I mean, you know, how many do you need? <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you're taking on Twitter and social media, that's literally like going to every person who's got a mobile phone and saying, are you sure that what you've said is true? You have to start somewhere. 60 feels a pretty well-resourced mm. team, I would say. Um, and, you know, and hats off to them. Um, you know, it's it's really important, whether you're BBC or Sky or Channel 4 um, or ITV, Channel 5, you know, good, solid, verified journalism is really important. And it's really important that, you know, in the media bill, that the playing field is, is leveled so that PSBs are able to do that. Other news this week, a broadcaster workers union Bektu declared an emergency over the unprecedented lack of work in the unscripted TV sector so far this year. Uh, Whilst US broadcasters packed the schedule with shows requiring no writers, uh, the situation seems pretty bleak in the UK. I hadn't been really aware of this, Ian. What's what's going on? Uh, I think it's it's tight and it's getting tighter. I think all of the all of the broadcasters are feeling the pinch, and I think they've all been a bit surprised that the ad market hasn't um, hasn't picked up as quickly as they thought. Commissions are hard to come by, that's for sure. Um, I think ITM Productions, I don't want this to become an advert for us, <laughs> uh, but we've been pretty fortunate in that we... We got a lot of business in early in the year mm. and, and and we won a lot of business and, you know, the Jeremy Vine contract was extended for five years and, it's, and the show's been extended and both in the States and in the UK, we got a lot of green lights early in the year. It's a genuine thing. Now. Are you seeing what a commission is saying when, when you're going to them saying, what have you got next? And they're, they're going, not a lot. They're being incredibly cautious. They're saying, they're saying that money is tight. That uh, that that they're hoping it picks up in quarter three and quarter four, 
that um, they they need to be that they're being really risk averse and they've got to double down on things that they know are going to work and things that they're going to get a lot of bang for their buck so they can be repeated that they're timeless. Um, I mean, I, I read uh, the comments from Ian Katz and Ben Frow. Um, this is the, the uh, so head of continent four and five. It, yeah, exactly. Um, they were talking yesterday. I mean, I think you know what Ben said is is probably true you know it's cyclical we've got to ride it out we've got to hold our nerve um the commissions will come back the market will pick up we need to be creative we need to think in the in the production sector of different funding models to try to get commissions um and that's fine but that's pretty tough if you're a freelance and you're looking mm. for work and people are saying that, you know, well, we might have something in a couple of months or after the summer. That's I mean, tough. I mean, Adam Ian's right, isn't he? I mean, if you're a runner or a producer or a director, uh, suddenly seeing a load of your work or potential work disappears can be can be pretty alarming. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got friends who work in that industry and I know how, you know, how hand to mouth it can be and how you're going from contract to contract. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky, you know, world to, to step through. Um, and, you know, when these, when these things happen, you know, it's, it's really hard and there's, there's, no, there's no simple solution. You don't have it. It's not in your control, mm. really. Uh, we had a, a note from a listener, Phil Smith, posted, uh, having worked in it for 20-odd years, it's clear that it's in total crisis. Hundreds of directors and editorial staff have been out of work for six-plus months and the future looks worse. I mean, I guess one of the dangers is, you know, you have to go and do something um, that people leave the sector. Do we then end up with a bit of a skills gap? when it when it comes back yeah it is a danger it really is um and you know there are a lot of talented people who may well be in that area who are thinking that they've worked in the business for a long time and the cost of living is going mm-hmm. up people are struggling generally they've got to pay bills and there may well come a time for a lot of people where they've got a tough choice to make where they either wait it out and wait for the market to pick up um or take jobs at lower rates, or think I need to I need to get some money and I need to maybe think about something else, which would be a real shame. It would be a, it would be a real shame. In the states, it's slightly different. I've just come back from um, uh, America, as I was telling you before we started recording, and the unscripted um, world over there seems kind of open. Yes, uh, the writers' strike has kind of freed up a lot of schedules and a lot of diaries for talent and. I think there is a there is a very good market for unscripted outside of the UK. Yeah. Uh, but here, it's a pretty tough world at the moment. Yeah, it was noticeable this week. I think ABC released a, um, in the US, released a schedule that had one scripted show on it. It was, it was basically because they can't, they're not going to be able to fill it. And that's reruns of Abbott Elementary. So the entirety of their primetime schedule from September is going to be unscripted. There's a lot of placards over there last week. Mm. I can tell you, going into meetings, there was a lot of uh, pickets and placards. Um, The thing about them was that they were all brilliantly well written <laughs> all of all of the messages on the placards you could tell were written by writers because they were very well scripted uh well i uh, think about money and obviously we're, we're thinking about the people who don't have jobs at the moment or are finding it tough um the other people have been looking at some figures to make sure that, that their jobs are safe as in the radio industry as the new radar data has just come out um we're going to cover this even more in our patreon but um adam as, as we said uh, one of your areas of expertise um just having a look through the headlines let's start with the today program uh, not great for them 
down about a, a million over the year? Yeah, I think it's about 800,000. I, what I would say is that was against a beginning of the uh, Ukraine war period. Yes. So if you, depending which, you know, if you go back six months, it's about 150,000. So I, I think, it, you know, it's undoubtedly, you know, it's not great. And I think there's something interesting in speech radio, maybe more upmarket speech radio seems to have taken a hit this time around. I'm, you know, I'm, bit of a broken record on these kind of things but I always look in slightly longer term yeah. um, it's not just a single quarter so let's see what happens but yeah when you know you could look at you know something like LBC's done fine for example even some of the although they're much smaller it's got to be said the sort of talk radios and GB News's the radio bits mm. have done okay um, whereas even Times Radio hasn't done that great yeah. this time round. So yeah, Times Radio is sort of is sort of stuck in the the kind of half million mark, isn't it? It sort of peaked at about seven hundred thousand, and it added Fee and Jane probably that would have been in this quarter too. Um, there's a bit of me that feels it deserves more than it's getting, but maybe that's just my media liberal elite uh, com- coming through. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is definitely a good product. Um, And uh, I think it will be interesting to see how they sort of work with it and uh, try and broaden it up. I mean, I guess, you know, they're speaking very heavily to the Times reader. I don't think Mm. if you're you're a reader of their online or their paper product, you're very well aware of it. I just wonder beyond that, you know, and obviously poaching people like, um, Mm. you know, the um, you know, fee and everybody that 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 would be they would the way you would want to do it. But you know, as I think we all know, it's not as simple as that, mm. and it's not like everyone's going to oh, I'll routine my dials now because my favourite podcasters have gone to Times Radio. Well, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Particularly at breakfast time. Ian, are you a Today programme listener in the morning? I think if you're a serious journalist, politician, then the Today programme mm. is built into your DNA. It's the it's the uh, it's the programme that you kind of instinctively reach for um you know but it's got to adapt different times it's got to it's got to look at you know listening habits just as we have to listen look and look and listen to viewing habits um i i think the today program will be here long after we have (laughs) maybe not you you're you're younger than us younger than me certainly but uh i think the today program you know is, is just a staple do you think today's change, they're trying to change it a little bit? Do you think they've been influenced by the arrival of, of Times Radio and they've had a look or it just kind of blunders along doing the same thing? I don't know. I mean, there's changes of staff, you know, and you get, you know, people like sort of the Amal Rajan and, mm. you know, the, the sort of the personnel and it will, you know, he sounds very different to John Humphreys, let's mm. say, sort of a few years ago. So, you know, it, it will change. I, I, you know, I think as audiences change and the expectations of audiences you know sometimes we kind of forget i think people think you grow into a radio station whereas actually radio stations tend to adapt along the way and if you listen to if we all went back and found some tapes of radio 4 (laughs) from 20 years ago we would be shocked what it actually sounded like then compared to now so yeah of course it's going to change the station that's done pretty well is boom radio so this is uh, a service uh, for the over 60s uh it was set up uh, in the middle of lockdown it's got a lot of very very heritage presenters who are doing shows from home uh, and it's 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 been put together by Phil Riley uh, and David Lloyd who are sort of storied radio execs both of which had sort of retired uh, and were doing other things before they went oh should we have one last go at doing this and so they kind of bootstrapped it they've raised a decent uh, amount of money to support it but it's been going gangbusters hasn't it Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're up triple digits year on year. I mean, you know, it's just unheard of. And I think 
you know, I was talking about some of the older listeners we'd found a dropped off on some of the uh, BBC stations. Well, that is not happening with Boom Radio. In fact, Boom Radio is even picking up some 1524s. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're, they're doing really well. And um, I think they found a really cost-efficient model. You mentioned they're yes. all doing it from home, so no one has to in- invest in expensive studios or anything. They've got Bow, I think it is, doing their sales. Um, the, probably their biggest cost is distribution, mm. so getting out on DAB and things like that. But you can do that reasonably cost-efficiently. And I think, you know, they've now got the kind of numbers that will absolutely get them on agency plans, which means they've got a legit business. This isn't a hobby. Mm. You know, it might have started as a hobby. Yeah. They've stumbled into, or not stumbled into, they're really good. They, they've they've created something um, really quite remarkable, you know, to the point that who knows, someone could come yeah. knocking at their door going, hey, we'll buy that from you. Well, they're know. basically adding 100,000 listeners a quarter. Uh, which is brilliant. Um, and I was, I was talking to them a little while ago. They're spending quite a, a decent amount of money with kind of tactical money on marketing. And marketing to kind of 65 pluses is things like ITV3 and actually Facebook, where obviously a lot of 65 pluses are. Um, and uh, that's a very cheap way of actually buying media and reaching audiences for a group that don't get advertised to with interesting products very often. So they're converting that marketing into into listeners. Uh, so they've really sort of stumbled over a, a bit of a, a bit I of a goldmine. We mine. have to start a radio station, the three of us <laughs> now, and really go for the eighty plus audience. <laughs> I think we could do it. Well, the best thing about older audiences is they listen for a really long period of time, which is great for for hours, which is where commercial Let's radio it. makes its money. Let's do it. Okay, we'll take a pause there and carry on the Rage Our discussion over on our Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash mediapod. Oh, it's a bit like handing over to Longwave. Anyway, we'll be back with uh, some BAFTAs chat and more from Ian and Adam after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Rethink Audio have a lovely new documentary series launching this week called Intersections. Uh, With music by Brian Eno, it's a trip through Detroit with some of its most influential residents. Uh, You can download it now. There's a link in the show notes. And here's the trailer. I never liked the analogy of Detroit being this ghost town. I never liked it. 
because I would come home and I would see all my people. My people live here. I moved to New York and I went all over the world. When I came home, my people were still here. My family is here. So how do you talk about a city like it's disappeared? Right here, would give it to me anyway. My name is Jessica Care Moore. This is Intersections Detroit. Resilience and hustle from the heart of the D. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find great stories. And we're back for part two. Time for some news in brief. Uh, the BAFTA TV Awards were on Sunday uh, with Channel 4's Derry Girls winning Best Scripted Comedy, uh, Best Female Performance in a Comedy Programme and also Best Comedy Writer for Lisa McGee. Um, Ian, we talked about uh, ITN's coverage of Ukraine. Um, uh, Adam, I know previously you were never a fan of, of tape-delayed BAFTAs. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you looked at Adam's Twitter of, I don't know, the past 10 years, uh, you never a fan. Hey, to be fair, that was the film BAFTAs oh, okay. in particular, uh, which did go live for half an hour this year but only half an hour you know because who wants to try and use social media to upsell your award ceremony that you're broadcasting millions of people but you know that's not my choice that, that, just, just your opinion there um uh, what caught your attention with the the BAFTAs this year? Um, I thought I thought mostly it was a decent set. I mean, as you say, Derry Girls did well. I personally would like to see Slow Horses, which mm. is a particular favourite of mine, uh, do a little bit better. And the really odd one to me was the international one, where it was the Dharma um, mm. uh, Ryan Murphy thing, which uh, felt a bit schlocky to me. And um, it was very pop. Don't get me wrong; it was enormously pop. I'm sure it was one of Netflix's biggest hits. But I would have sort of, sort of something like the White Lotus or the Bear. Um, on Disney Plus mm. FX would would have felt to me more like better series at least of the nominees in those categories uh, but you know you can't complain too much I think across the board I mean Sherwood maybe could have done a bit better I think um, I sometimes wonder you know if something came out last summer that everyone's forgotten about it by the following I'm not sure when the jury sat but <laughs> you know it probably wasn't that long ago I mean Ian there's, there's been there's a lot on television now isn't there there's a lot to try and capture in an award ceremony I completely agree on the international. Mm. I mean, that was nuts. White <laughs> Lotus has got to win that. You know that, that. You know that's the that's the standout international series of the past of the past twelve months, and and it and it had to win. Um, I actually do think Robin Romesh did a really good job at hosting mm. it this year. It's a tough gig, isn't it? Though you know, all of those award shows are are, are really difficult. But I thought they came across really well. There seems to be this trend at the moment as well for cutting away and doing backstage mm, interviews mm. and things like that and I, I, I kind of I slightly question the value of those if I'm if I'm honest I think at the film awards it, it, you know the, there wasn't an awful lot to be gained from it um, they're trying to innovate and try and do things mm. differently but I'm not sure it really feels like you're going sort of behind the scenes it's just literally you've won how do you feel you, you know that, without any disrespect to <laughs> any of the interviewers it, I, I'm just not sure it adds a lot people they you know they go on for a long time it, it's about pace and keeping things going I mean the main thing we watch awards shows for is the hope for a disaster I mean that that's it really that someone falls over that someone's drunk that's the main excitement of a live 
yeah uh, and the reaction service. of the losers mm. i mean i was watching it with my two teenage daughters <laughs> and they were saying like you know somebody wins and they immediately they have about three seconds of the person going up to collect the award and then they bounce around all the people and you're looking for them and some people do it really well i noticed a couple of people turning to whoever they were with saying oh that was really well deserved i didn't really <laughs> want it you know um Lucy Beaumont actually uh, did a really good reaction because she looked at the camera and mouthed, I'm not happy about that, <laughs> when she lost out on, I think, female comedy performer or something like that. Um, but yeah, you're looking, you're looking for the car crash moment these days. I must admit, I quite like it when someone really does just can't believe that they've been <laughs> robbed and is not disguising it at all because it's probably what some of us are at yeah. home are feeling how did you give it to that show <laughs> what, what on Eurovision that the, the French act did not do very well and it was very clear that she was unhappy by this and was definitely not playing along uh, for the spirit of the show um, speaking about the best international award that was presented by Harriet Dyer and Patrick Brammel of Colin from Accounts have Brilliant. you been watching Colin from Accounts I absolutely binged it over yeah, one weekend too. it's fantastic I, I can't recommend it enough everyone should watch it if you haven't already it's great isn't it Ian? i i uh i as i said i just come back from america i watched one episode on the plane on the way back and thought it was sensational and came back and watched the entire series all in one go <laughs> it's brilliant they are i think they are a They're real married, life yeah, couple, yeah. right and that chemistry is superb she is brilliant he is self-deprecating and natural and uh, you know the 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 dog and the I mean it, it's just it's genius I think it's one of the breakout hits of the last five years I would say it's brilliant so if you haven't seen it it's on a BBC iPlayer uh, and you can catch up with the whole thing there uh, something that was confirmed on Monday and something we touched on uh, in the show last week uh, Vice Media has filed for bankruptcy as lenders ready to buy the company's assets for about two hundred twenty-five million bear in mind it was valued at about five billion uh, at the height of their fame slash infamy. Um, Ian, have you been following what's been happening with Vice? Because they did a decent push into news and and telly news as well. I think it's a real shame. I think um, the demise of Vice and BuzzFeed is sad Mm. for journalism. And, you know, a combination of changing viewer habits, the digital advertising downturn, the funding model. I I, I think it's a real shame. I mean, I think it goes back to the point that you know, quality journalism costs, mm. it, you know, it, it, it costs a lot of money. Some of the things that are doing well in that in that area with those particular um, uh, sort of companies is, is investigations. Investigations require two things, time and money. You can't put pressure on them and, and you have to invest in them. Um, I think it's, I think it's a real shame. Um, you know, it, I guess it kind of shows that you know all the excitement about startups was was genuine and justified, and it seems like you know it is retreating to the sort of the old established uh, companies and models um, that are that are surviving and doing well. Um, but yeah, I, it's not great. Well, Adam, it's not like the desire to reach younger audiences has gone away at all. Has just the the money run out to to keep trying? I think yeah, it, it feels like. Unfortunately, the business model they were using, just it's shifting along too much. Funny enough, I'm reading um, Ben Smith, who was uh, his, his latest book called Traffic. He was um, he started mm. BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed News, in fact, and um, was at Politico and most recently New York Times and now has Semaphore. And the 
you know, what was clear at the time, you know, when BuzzFeed was in its heyday, you know, remember the dress, you know, which was easily the biggest <laughs> BuzzFeed story of all time. You know, they were rapidly turning on new servers and so on. And that was driven by Facebook mm. and they were really in with Facebook and, you know, they would call them up and talk to the engineers over there and work out and, you know, the rise of Facebook and the rise of BuzzFeed kind of mirror one another. And then Facebook, well, you know, we know it's it's an older thing now. It's different and uh, they'll change their algorithm and suddenly they're not generating the traffic to you and suddenly the model's changing. Mm. And arguably we're going to see that again as we move into this AI sort of period where if I type a search into Google, Google's maybe going to tell me the answer and not even send me to a page where I find the answer, which will change again everyone's business models because i'm reliant on that advertising traffic or somehow getting me to your site where you're going to in one way or the other monetize me and unfortunately what we're seeing is or it feels to me we're seeing is we've seen these business models move on quite rapidly and we're not seeing the companies unfortunately be able to keep up with Mm. that so what was a great business model five years ago suddenly isn't just working today and you know there were probably other problems there i think with vice Mm. i think it's probably safe to say but um, that's probably part of it uh, okay, thanks both. Uh, time uh, before we go for the media quiz. Now, I'm not entirely sure what I've done to produce a Matt, but he's given me somewhat of a challenge. And I think it's to promote the fact that you can now watch the media podcast uh, on YouTube. Uh, so he's decided that today's media quiz will be charades on the radio. Uh, and, <laughs> it's make a good podcast. And I am forced to, to, to do this. So... Um, uh, you're going to do all the charades. I'm going to do all the charades. Okay, so you're, you're both very like You've got to buzz in uh, with your name if you can guess uh, what I'm suggesting to you. So, um, Ian, you'll say... Ian. Uh, Adam, you'll say... Adam. Right. Here we go. So it's maybe some silence on the podcast. Catch up on the YouTube channel. Just search The Media Podcast on YouTube to find it. Uh, right. I'm going to do... The whole thing. Good. Right. Um, Sorry, Ian, the whole thing. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, Driving. Harry and Meghan, oh. paparazzi. Oh. Uh, I'm afraid you've got to buzz in. Oh, Ian, Ian. Harry and Meghan. Harry, Meghan. <laughs> yes. <that's, laughs> uh, you, do you want to describe uh, how I uh, suggested that to you? Well, you were you, you were driving fairly erratically, <laughs> it, it would seem, and you were also trying to take pictures while you were doing it. There we go. My excellent, excellent work there. Um I mean, are we seeing history repeat itself with Harry and Meghan? I don't know. And I think what I do think is really worrying about that whole story is that, you know, something happens, something clearly happened. Their spokesperson puts out um, a statement. The NYPD puts out a statement. But immediately there is so much backlash and opinion about it without letting, you know, viewers or listeners decide, you know, Clearly, there was an issue. The paps were involved. It may or may not have been extremely frightening, traumatic, whatever. We don't know exactly what happened. But immediately, there's this, you know, kind of they're exaggerating, they're lying, it's not true. And and I think that's that's not good. That's not great. There was a, There's immediately this, this sort of horrible kind of, you know... You know, assumptions, speculation, suspicion about the whole thing, rather than, you know, if that was anyone else, that would be there was an incident, they say this, the police say this, there you go, it's that should be factual reporting, and it's not factual, it's been, it's been sullied, I think, by opinion and presumption and quite unsavoury kind of 
comments. I don't even think it's been journalism in some cases. Okay, a uh, point to Ian. Uh, question number two. <sighs> uh, oh. Whole thing. Oh, thing. Right. It... Texting, throwing away money. Twitter. Ian Twitter Elon Musk new CEO uh, yeah, oh yeah it's his NBC Universal uh, what's her name the new ad executive who's come over from NBC yes Universal. I, I will take that as, uh, I'll give Adam the point there so Twitter does have a new CEO uh, Linda Yaccarino uh, starting soon um, and my uh, obviously my description there was Elon saying he will tweet whatever he wants even if he loses money All right. that, that was what I was trying to describe I don't think the mime was <laughs> <laughs> in any way representative of that it just it looked ridiculous well definitely no, no point for you on that <laughs> he probably will lose money by tweeting but yeah <laughs> uh, what do you think is in um, uh, Linda's uh, in-tray when she gets into the uh, making a lot of friends with the advertising community mm. I mean by the sound of things um, she was really popular with the New York ad community I think um, and so in that sense it's a strong hire um, i don't think anyone who uses Twitter can doubt that the quality of the advertising has gone down mm. in recent months. You see some very odd adverts popping up. I certainly do in my feed. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of rebuilding they need to do about the product and get users back on. And, you know, who knows, you know, the, the whole kind of subscription thing and what people are getting for subscription. I mean, there's there's a lot, um, which we probably can't do in a media <laughs> quiz at the end. But definitely getting advertisers back on because I'm sure it's still hemorrhaging money um, and you, they need ads because that's the surest way of bringing revenues in. I mean, Ian, media journalism, we've all been sort of obsessed with Twitter for the last 10 years. Uh, I mean, I see less tweets now. I mean, I'm still sort of obsessed by it, but there is less going on now, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in the TV industry, we have over the past 10 years looked at Twitter as a kind of a barometer for opinion. Certainly if if you've made a program and you're at home watching it go out and you've got to, mm. to wait till the next morning for the overnights, you're looking at Twitter and it's, are we trending, are we not... It's not a barometer these mm. days for for viewers. You can be trending really well and have terrible ratings and and vice versa. It's 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 not the product that it once was, and it's very important that if they want it to have a future, that they sort that out. I think it's still somewhere where you find out what's going on quickly. I think journalists still use mm. it a lot. Whether they're just talking to other journalists is, <laughs> is another question. And you can still, because we have, there isn't that live, I don't think any of the other platforms really have that live, this is happening now if I want to see what's happening. But I completely get, it's not a true reflection of the population of a whole. It's definitely a very specific subsection. Interestingly, my daughters, 15 mm. and 16, you know, TikTok is not just, you know, I think people of my age, um, and I may well have had this conversation in my own home, have, you know, kind of wrote off TikTok as just why are you just watching just people, you know, lip syncing or doing makeup tutorials and things like that. They are getting their news through TikTok and they are, and, and they are interested enough to cherry pick the stories which are coming out of TikTok and then go away and mm. find it and mine other sources for it, which I think is interesting. And, you know, that that is adapting. We need to adapt to the way that younger people are consuming information, but then, you know, are sensible and smart enough to go off and find, you know, properly verified stories. Uh, well, there's a lot of data, isn't there, actually, that people use TikTok as a search engine. And it's, yeah. it's not a bad search engine, is it? Yeah, I, 
you say that I don't know I don't really use TikTok <laughs> Adam, but disappointed I know it just it, it, it could get me started about this I didn't like the algorithm and they, I know they were going to do that grand reset thing that you could completely reset your profiles because I was seeing videos I did not want to see and I just could not unlike them enough to get rid of them um but no no people absolutely people do and i think that there there is this wider thing of actually you know bigger concern of the open web and the closed sort of web that people sit on a platform and actually the idea of even opening a browser to certain young people i mm. think is is a bit of an anathema because you live in tiktok and you do search on tiktok and of course you will find an answer of sorts there's enough on there that you will find something uh, right question number three so it's point each so far the whole, whole thing. thing singing you're, you're, you're Eurovision singing. I, no uh, you're uh, you're <laughs> watching oh was this the number of Eurovision viewers Adam, Adam. Yes. There were a lot of them. There was. Yeah. Um, Eurovision final is the most watched ever. Well, most watched recently as far back as the current methodology seems to be. Yeah, I'm sure that sometime in the 1970s <laughs> there, when there was nothing else to watch, most people were watching it. Uh, did you watch? No. Uh, Ian, did you watch? I hate it. <laughs> oh, God. I thought it was quite good. I thought, we did, I thought the BBC did a good job. I think the BBC did do a yeah. good job. I don't hate the production. I don't hate the fantastic <laughs> job. Hannah Waddingham was the was yes, the smash hit star. star of that whole thing, and Mel and her milk churning was fabulous. But <laughs> Eurovision, I, I just, I just, I just hate it. It's just, <laughs> it's just, I don't. It's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> I don't mind Australia in the fact that it exists is not a problem for me (laughs) (laughs) and I enjoy the fact that many many people watch it like a number of reality shows that I don't watch (laughs) and you know the quality but no I mean you know musically it's not to my taste shall we say well on that bombshell uh, thank you uh, both uh, for for being here Um, uh, Adam you are our winner congratulations Uh, you get as a a special prize you get to go off and pick next year's Eurovision entrant for for Britain well done uh, uh, <laughs> Good luck. Wow, you, you wait till you see what I'd pick. <laughs> uh, and so, how can people keep up uh, with uh, your work? Uh, you can find me at Adam Bowie, obviously not on TikTok, um, or at adambowie.com. Uh, in? Uh, I am on Twitter at IJ Rumsey, I think. <laughs> um, you can watch my Netflix account if you like. I'll give you my password <laughs> if you, if you For want. For the next few months, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, lovely uh, great to see you both uh, thanks everyone for joining us today uh, we're recording at the very classy yet easy to use uh, London podcast studios in central London complete with a full HD fix rig uh, and a bowl of sweets at the entrance uh, we highly recommend them book your next recording here that's thelondonpodcaststudios.com there's a link in the show notes and to hear a more in-depth radar discussion between myself and Adam and Ian uh, you need to join our Patreon uh, there's several hours of insight to access no not just from the radar chat though it's decent then. Uh, just head to patreon.com slash mediapod because you get access to all of our previous deep dives as well. Patreon.com slash mediapod. Uh, if you love the show uh, and really enjoy what we do, we would really appreciate you joining. Patreon.com slash mediapod. Uh, remember also, you can tell your colleagues about us. Uh, just mention the show uh, maybe on LinkedIn or Twitter or even TikTok. Uh, we've got accounts on most of those places, so even just a retweet is nice. Uh, and remember to follow the show in your podcast app of choice. Uh, or visit podfollow.com slash the media podcast each week uh, oh we're on youtube as well just go into youtube and search the media podcast uh, my name is matt deegan the producer was matt hill it was a rethink audio production i'll see you next week 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.